Christchurch, New Malden, 1st of September 2019, 9.30 service. Tim Davis speaking in the series, Jesus Shows God's Covenant Love. Great, well good morning, this is down. Uh, it's great to see everybody after the summer break. Uh, are you all ready to learn about God this morning? Yes. One person's ready to learn about God. Well, at least Stephen's in the right place. Uh, yes, so we're going to learn about God, and we're going to be finding out particularly more about this brand new series about uh, showing God's covenant love and subheading compassionate. And, you know, already when Stephen was introducing that, I could see some faces looking around like, God's what now? God's covenant, uh, what? No. Uh. Uh, so, yes, good question. What on earth is God's covenant? Um, and what is this covenant love, and what has uh, compassionate got to do with it? Well, fortunately, we're going to find out the answer to that and many other questions with the help of a game that I have made up or possibly might have seen on the TV when I was younger uh, called Jump Around. And for that, I need six volunteers, six people under the age of 18. There's one, up you come. There is Haribo, there's two, there is three. There will be some sweet tasting prizes. There's four, two more, two more volunteers come up. Yes, go for it. And one more. Nikki, throw Bo up here, go on. Good lad, gave you a lot of choice there, Bo. Good man. Right, now, what's going to happen is I need some other, I need Graham, I need John, and I need Janine. If you can all come and stand up here, please. You are going to see a question which is going to appear up on screen, and you will need to stand in a huddle in the middle of the stage. And there's one for John, and move this one out of the way. One for Janine, and one for Graham, and you can all have a little white sticker thing as well. And when you see the question, you'll have three possible answers, A, B, or C, and you will then have about five seconds to jump to the right uh, A, B, or C that you think is correct. However, as soon as the music stops, which is going to see you to jump, you must stop. If you think you've been a bit rash and you go, oh dear, I didn't really think that one through, I think that's the wrong answer, you get another chance to jump around. So if you suddenly saw everyone going to one question, you in the wrong place, you go, oh, I'm going to jump to them. But they might think you've got it right. It's going to be fun and confusing. So let's have the first question up, please, Andrew. The first question is, quite handy, what is a covenant? Do any of you think you know the answer already? No, brilliant. So let's have... Is the covenant A, a word used in politics? You can see the answers on the screen. Is it B, an agreement between two people or peoples? Or is it C, a Norwegian pop group? Are you ready to jump to whether you think it's A, B, or C? Let's go, Andrew, now. Jump around. Jump around. Jump around. Okay, so, so far, two people have gone for A, a word used in politics, Two and the rest of you four have gone for an agreement with two people. No one thinks it's a Norwegian pop group. Unbelievable. Okay, if anyone wants to change their mind, you can jump around now. Jump around. They're all pretty self-assured, aren't they? Not a single bit of doubt. I like that. Okay, well, the answer in fact is, you can see on screen, an agreement between two people. So Janine, can you get everyone by you a white sticker somewhere? This is so I can keep tally of who's done what. Uh, got the answers right, and there's no cheating. Uh, bizarrely, uh, it's actually a Swedish pop group called Covenant, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, okay, so on to the next one. Uh, I think, uh, let's have a slightly tougher question, shall we? How many covenants are there in the Bible? Let's have the, question, the answers are Andrew. They are. Do you think in the Bible there are five different covenants in the Bible? Do you think there are eight different covenants in the Bible? Do you think there are 12 different covenants in the Bible? And don't try and look at Stephen, because like he's going to be going, I don't agree with any of those, possibly. So, 
You've got a chance to pick A, B, or C. Go. Jump around. Jump around. Jump around. Stop. Everyone's feeling pretty sure there are only five covenants in the Bible. Is this peer pressure in action? I don't know. Just anyone thinking, well, actually, the Bible's rather a big book. Maybe it might be five. We're thinking, no, no, five, that's good. Well, here's your chance to change your mind. If you want to jump around, now. Jump around. Jump around. Oh, look at that. Jump around. Unbelievable. Stop. So, well, someone's kind of in the middle of no man's land and clearly not getting anything right. So, the answer is... Well, actually, it's rather confusing, because no one can really agree how many actual covenants there are. Some people say, you know, there might only be one. Some people say, there's at least 12. It's a lot of scholarly debate. However, I don't think there are any wrong answers, so everybody can get a sticker, and then go and sit back down, get ready to come back up and play round two of Jump Around in a moment. Now, as I said, there's quite a lot of different opinion over you know, how many covenants, how many different times an agreement was made between God and other people, or groups of people in the Bible. And we're not going to spend too long looking at it, but really, we want to have a quick look at some of the key ones that are there. So here we go. Biblical covenants. First one, possibly. You know, the Bible doesn't actually use the word covenant until we get to Noah. Uh, and many believe that God, that God actually did make a covenant with Adam, saying, you know, I'm going to create you, you're going to look after creation. There's an agreement between two people. The next one, the first proper covenant, is one between God and Noah uh, after the flood. And as uh, God promises, never again to destroy all life on earth by a flood. And in turn, Noah and his descendants uh, are never to shed blood nor consume it. No blood, no flood. Then comes the first biggie, Abraham, the Abrahamic um, covenant. Uh, you know all the song, Many Sons and Father Abraham? It's true. As a reward for his faithfulness, Abraham is promised multiple lands that will be given to his innumerable descendants. After Abraham comes Moses, big figure in the Bible. Now, the Mosaic Covenant, this forms the foundation of the law, the way of life for the people. They've just been brought out of slavery, and they need some instructions how to live. And in this covenant, God promises to make the Israelites his treasured possession among all people, a, a holy nation, if they follow God's commandments. There's the big agreement. I'm going to take care of you if you follow my commandments. Later on, we come to King David. Uh, this, is, this, covenant, uh, this is like a royal covenant that establishes David and all of his descendants as ongoing kings of Israel. And this one is particularly important because the promised Messiah, the, people who the, Jewish people, the person the Jewish people believe would lead them to salvation and victory, was believed to be a future Jewish king from the line of David. Why are these covenants so important? Well, it shows that God not only keeps his promises to the people and that he loved them, but they had a plan of love from way back in the beginning. Let's have a look at the genealogy. That first bit at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, which basically says Jesus was descended from this person, from this person, from this person, and it goes all the way right back to Abraham. You can't really see it too clear there, but we can see there in this family tree of Jesus, there is covenant history. God's promise to Abraham that his descendants, his descendant line would be blessed. And God's promise to David 
that his descendant would be king of all of Israel. All of this leading directly to Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus who we believe is the final covenant, the, the new covenant. He is the fulfillment of all of the laws and all of the prophecies and all the covenants that went before. And it's his death that, despite our failures, enables us to enter into this new covenant, this new agreement, this new life with God. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God reveals himself to people. He introduces aspects of his nature to people, giving them understanding. And uh, he regularly, throughout the Bible, uses these, these same phrase of words, which is one we can look at now. Uh, one of these first instances... Uh, this particular description was one that God gave to Moses just as he was giving Moses the new commandments. For the second time, but the Ten Commandments. And he announces himself with, the, himself with these words. The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. These are the aspects of God's covenant love that we're looking at this month. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, loving and faithful, forgiving. All these things that God describes as him, we're looking at how Jesus brings that to us. So why are they important for us to understand? Why are we thinking about this in September? Well, because to understand Jesus' mission on earth. We must understand the covenants God made and then see how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of them. And we do that by looking at how he showed us these whilst he lived among us in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. All right, I'm going to need my game show contestants back up on stage. I'm going to need my um, A, B, or Cs back up on stage. Guys, mix it up a bit. Go on, do A, C, B somewhere just to really confuse. Let's go for it. It's like level two now. Okay, are you ready to win some more stickers and possibly ultimate Haribo prize? Um, the next question is this. In the reading that we heard earlier, why did Jesus have compassion on the crowd? And this is to see if any of you are actually listening to reading. I don't think any of you were. <laughs> okay, did Jesus have compassion on the crowd because they were A, hungry and homeless, or B, they were outcasts and oppressed? Or was it because they were C, harassed and helpless? Are you ready to jump around now? Jump around. Jump around. Jump around. Okay, everyone's pretty much going with C. Interesting. Uh, is any doubt coming in? Going, uh, harassed and helpless, outcast, hungry and homeless? What does Jesus normally do? I don't know. You've got a chance to change your answer in three, two, one. Jump around. Oh, you've got a bit of attention. I like that. The actual answer is Harrison Helpless. John, can you please give a sticker to everyone by your group? Right, very good. And, okay, we're going to look at one more question before you guys sit down. This one's going to seem a bit bizarre. And uh, to be honest, you know, just bear with me. Uh, for this question, yeah, I need you purely to guess because I'm not expecting you, unless you are a Greek scholar. Is anyone here a Greek scholar? 
Good, because if you were, then you're doing the sermon next week. Okay, so I want you to tell me, what is the meaning of the Greek word splachon, 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 I don't even know. That word, is it A, worry? Does splachon mean your intestines, your guts, your tummy and everything? Or is splachon a Roman command that was used in the time of Jesus to stop? You get a chance to choose your answer now. Jump around. Jump around. Jump around. So we've got two Bs, one C, and three A's. A lot of people think it's worry. Now, is anyone now looking at it going, oh, I'm not so sure. He looks like he might know. Well, she's definitely got the right idea. She was listening. Or no, her mum looks like a biblical scholar. Okay, you got a chance to change your mind. Jump around now. Jump around. I like that. I'm going to change my mind. No, I'm not. And no one's going to. Okay, stop where you are. Does anyone out here think they know what the right answer is? John. Yes, because you're looking at me to shout. I forget. Yeah, a lot of people are so honest yet cheating in church. The right answer is, Andrew, let's have it up on screen. It is intestines. Okay, Janine, you can give a sticker out there. Okay, guys, once you get a seat, you can go and sit down. Now, you might be wondering, why on earth have I asked that question? What has that got to do with this talk? Well, quite often in the Bible passages, when Jesus has been described as being filled with or moved with compassion, the gospel is used a verb that translated from the Greek literally means moved in his intestines, deeply stirred. It's like an inward gut reaction to something, something which compels you, that you feel that emotion in the pit of your stomach and your heart and your whole being, and you go, I must do something. It's this reaction that Jesus has right in his heart to people's suffering and people's plight. Now, the Bible often tells us that God is compassionate, but in the person of Jesus, it shows us Jesus' whole ministry could be summed up with this one word, compassion. Now, he felt compassion towards people who suffered. When Mark writes about Jesus' encounter with a leper, it says that moved with pity, compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him. And in Matthew's gospel, it says that Jesus, in pity, compassion, touched the eyes of two blind men outside Jericho. And that he also had compassion on the crowds, and he healed their sick. Jesus also felt compassion for people who were suffering emotional distress. One day, whilst walking past a little village, Jesus saw this funeral procession in which a widow was going out to bury her only son. No, she didn't have a husband. She now no longer had a son. She was on her own. She had nothing. And it says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and Jesus restored the woman's son to life. That sense of being moved because it so deeply affects you. Jesus had compassion for all those in society who were afflicted by some form of suffering, be it physical, emotional, stress, failures, disappointments. In that reading we had from Matthew's Gospel, there's an explanation, I think, that kind of really underscores why Jesus felt compassion for the crowds. And if you saw in that quiz, it's because Jesus saw them as harassed and helpless, it says, like sheep without a shepherd, 
And as much as Jesus felt pity for people with physical suffering, what moved him perhaps to compassion the most was for the people around him and their often spiritual confusion and disorientation, people who were just struggling to get through life. They were facing opposition. They were beat down. They were just at the point of wanting to give up. And Jesus feels for ordinary people like that. People like you and I. People who may be stumbling through life at times. Who are in trouble because sometimes we've made wrong choices or bad decisions. Or maybe we've just given in to temptation and things. But Jesus' heart goes out to us. Doesn't judge, doesn't condemn. He's moved with compassion for when we are struggling. I think too many of the people at that time were getting the wrong ideas about life. And when Jesus says they were like a sheep without the shepherd, they, they'd been led astray by some of the Pharisees, by some of the wrong teaching they were getting. They were teaching about religion. They weren't teaching about faith in God. We had similar qualities about God read to us in that reading from Psalm 145. It says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all, everyone he has made. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts them up who are bowed down. God's compassion is replicated in Jesus' mission. The compassion throughout history and the covenants for those who are suffering continues to be displayed. But it's not just his responsibility. At the end of that passage from Matthew, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, if you've come to harvest time, you've got a field full of grain, you can't just go and pick it yourself if it's that big. You want to get as many people as possible to take advantage of it when it's at its best. And the people at Jesus' time had had poor leaders. And good leaders in large quantities were urgently, desperately needed. Because Christian mission, what we are called to do, begins with the fact that Jesus feels compassion for lost and hurting people. And because his heart goes out to a broken world. Jesus wants us, those who know him, who have been found by Jesus, the good shepherd, to do something about it. And so, we're just going to look at this final section of the talk. And we're going to begin with a couple more rounds of jump around. Can I please have my contestants back on stage? It's your last chance to take the lead. <coughs> Ooh. Hey, can we actually have a total? Does anybody have four stickers? No. Does anybody have three stickers? Oh, so it's competition so far, so he might be in the lead. Okay. The next question, so on the screen, and it is this, and it's another guess the meaning of the word. What is the true meaning of the Latin word for compassion, compati? Is anybody here a Latin scholar? Again, I'm relieved, and so are you, because you would also be doing the sermon next week. Uh, is it A, does it mean to suffer with somebody? Or do you think it means B, to feel sorry for somebody? Or do you think it means C, to get angry about something? Pick and jump around now. Jump around. Jump around. 
Okay, last minute changes there. Most people so far have gone for A, to suffer with somebody. We've got one person sticking it out there to feel sorry for somebody. No one thinks that compati means to get angry about something. Well, if you've changed your mind in between now and then, now's your almost penultimate chance to jump around. Jump around. Jump around. Jump around. And stop. <laughs> Why do they do that? What is the point of rules? I don't know. Um, the answer is, let's have it up on the screen, A, to, to suffer with someone. Graham, can you give a sticker to everybody in your group? Um, I must say, the answer to that question, it doesn't sound much fun, does it? You know, compassion means to suffer. What's that about? Uh, well, look at it in a moment. So we've got one last question. Here we go. Uh, and it's one you're probably going to have to guess. Now, at my wedding a few weeks ago, we sang some great songs. And one of them has the opening line, everyone needs compassion. I want you to tell me, what is the name of that song? Is it... A, this is amazing grace. Is it B, this is our God? Or is it C, mighty to save? Jump around now. Jump around. Jump around. Jump around. And stop. You get to change your mind. So there's a bit of indecision. People are trying to think, oh, I'm trying to run. No, I don't know the words. I've got the wrong song. So we've got. Three, four people suddenly going for Mighty to Save. We've got two, maybe three people going for This is Amazing Grace. It's your chance to jump around now. Jump Last time. Jump around. Jump around. And stop. Okay, we've got a three and three split, 50%. The right answer is C, Mighty to Save. So, John, can you give stickers? I think, have we got someone who's got five stickers? I think we do. I think we have a winner. I think for that, you definitely deserve three Haribo. And I think you definitely deserve your winning three Haribo. And everybody else, well, you can have a Haribo as well. A round of applause for all of our contestants. Unlucky Bo, you came second. You have two. There's one of you there. You came second before you can have two. You don't, all right, you can, do you want to share it with your mum? Do you like Haribo, Sam? Do you want Haribo? Do you want, go, all right. Excellent. There we go. Thank you very much.